Welcome to The Blender, the podcast that blends everything education. My name is John Woodward. I'm with the Digital Learning Department at Temple ISD, and we will be interviewing administrators, teachers, paraprofessionals, anybody that has a hand in delivering excellent education that will benefit the students of our district. Welcome to The Blender. Renata, so thank you for being here on the uh, one of the first episodes of The Blender. Thank you for having me. So just briefly kind of tell a little bit about what brought you to Temple ISD, right? You know, kind of where you're from, where you grew up, and maybe where you went to school. Sure. Um, I was born on an Army base in Louisiana, Fort Polk. My dad was in the Army for over 20 years, and so I did not grow up in one particular location. My parents are both from New Orleans, and so that's what where we called home when I was growing up. But um, we lived in Louisiana, Fort Polk, for about four years, and then moved to Berlin, Germany for a few years uh, before the wall came down. Uh, we moved to Illinois after that, and then back to Louisiana, and then uh, thought we were gonna settle down in Colleen at Fort Hood, and so we, uh, my parents bought a house there, and then we received news that we were going to be stationed in Germany. And so I finished out my high school career in Horsburg, Germany, and then um, my parents returned to Colleen to the house that they had purchased, and I went to Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, uh, which you might be familiar with. Um, yeah. I think we all are now. <laughs> And so uh, I uh, received my bachelor's degree from LSU in uh, Spanish and international studies. And then I just liked school. And so I stuck around and got my master's degree in public administration thinking maybe I could be a, um, a school administrator someday um, because I initially wanted to teach going into college. Um, so when I graduated, I subbed in Colleen for a couple of months and then got a job teaching Spanish in Florida and uh, taught there for three years and got homesick so I moved back out to Central Texas and by that time my parents had bought a house in Temple and so I relocated here and taught in Colleen for um, six years I believe. Um, after that uh, I or, or during that time I guess I started working on my second master's degree and so when I was done with my studies, I just happened to actually go onto the Temple website to look to see if um, there was a Spanish position in Temple that I could apply for and noticed that there was an AP position. And so instead of applying for the Spanish, I applied for the AP position and surprisingly I, I got the position and so I've been here ever since. So this is my, um, I think this is my seventh year now here in the district. All right, so you're slightly, slightly proud of the Tigers. Slightly uh, might winning. be an understatement. I'm, I'm super proud and um, just excited. It's a good time for Louisiana, I think, any time that we can have those things to celebrate. So. Not, not a bad time to be a Tiger, that's <laughs> for sure. So, you know, one of the things that, that obviously is a big uh, focus of the district is, is blended learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, counting cohorts, we're really going into our third year, mm -hmm. uh, even though we're in cohort B. Um, what, 
what is a common myth that you think um, a misconception uh, about blended learning that people have and then what would you say to debunk that type of myth what is one that you've seen I, th I think um, from the parent standpoint or from the outsider standpoint just really quickly there's this thought that blended learning is just kids on computers and uh, the teacher not having to do as much work and so part of debunking that I think is just educating parents about what blended learning really is and we had a parent showcase last year that really helped to clear things up for parents and allow them to experience a blended model um, and ask questions that they had about blended so I think communication is big uh, in that regard I think um, on the internal side one of the myths that I see is that blended learning has to look a certain way and that there's a there's a right way or kind of a cookie cutter look to blended learning and um, I think to debunk that again is to communicate with teachers and to make sure that we're clear from the outset as we're adding cohorts on um, what the expectations are and the expectations are that teachers are just getting started and it's going to look different um, from class to class because every class has different students and every teacher um, has a different personality that I think blended learning allows them to kind of infuse into their classroom structure and environment so I think um, communicating and educating are, are the big keys to debunking those myths. Do you see that, that as we get into this really second and third year of this that, that that's starting to happen that we're starting to knock down those those myths the misconceptions i do think it is i don't believe that we get nearly as many parent phone calls as we used to get um starting out when i was at the high school with the pioneer group probably three years ago there were there were lots of concerns because there was a misunderstanding and i don't think we get those calls anymore and i think on the teacher side because they've seen their colleagues go before them and their colleagues have been such good um, spokespeople for blended learning there's less misinformation and uh, miscommunication about what blended learning really is and so not only are we communicating um, the getting started expectation but their colleague that teaches math or their colleague that was in cohort a is also kind of explaining um, how blended learning works in their classroom and it's clearing up those um, myths that previously yeah. were in place. It seems like it's truly becoming collaborative. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I know we use that term and it's used a lot in education, but I think that that collaboration is starting to help dispel some of those misconceptions. Absolutely. I think even collaboration, not just um, on the campus, but also across campuses um, and across grade levels. And so our secondary teachers have really enjoyed going to the elementary schools and seeing that blended learning happening and watching third graders and fifth graders take on that student agency and that student ownership and um, watching teachers kind of let go of that whole class instruction and, and trust that their students are responsible to work on their playlists while they're working with a small group of students. And so it's been um, just an impressive and um, good experience all the way around, I think. Yeah, pretty neat, neat all the way. So at, in your position, what are, what are the ways, you know, a couple of different ways that you've seen blended learning really affect the secondary classroom? 
I think um, the first way that I see it affecting the secondary classroom is the level of student engagement in that students are no longer just passive um, recipients of information that the teacher is giving out as they stand in front of the classroom. But I see such high levels of students engage in the work that they're doing, collaborating with their classmates, uh, and talking about and using academic discourse in the classroom. Um, I see a lot more on-task behavior. Um, and so I think the student engagement piece is huge. Um, and I see that as I visited the elementary classes as well, but especially in secondary, the students are engaged because they, um, there's this misconception that, uh, especially when kids get to secondary, that they don't care or that they're unmotivated. And I, I don't believe that that is true about students in general. I think we were not created to not want to learn and to not want to grow. I think it's, it's built into us. And so I think it just allows for that to come out for the student um, and they, they see what they have to do, they have a goal in mind, and they work towards it, and they don't have to be directed every step of the way. I think the other uh, flip side to that is the teacher engagement. And so um, teachers, I think, are so proud of the work they're doing and the success that their students are having. And I think that we have always... Um, for as long as I can remember, even when I started teaching, there's always this push to differentiate and, oh, you've got to differentiate for your kids. And that sounds great, but that's a hard thing for a teacher to do when you've got 150 kids at the secondary level, and some have more than that. And so it's overwhelming. And, and I think blended allows a teacher to differentiate in a way that whole class instruction would just never allow. And so I think it's, it's great to see teachers excited about teaching and excited about learning and excited about taking risk and trying new things um, and being engaged with their students in a new way. Yeah. You know, some, some seem to, to believe that, that making that transition to blended learning is, is challenging, and it is. I think initially there's a there's a learning curve and and there's just becoming familiar with some of the terminology you know mm -hmm. eventually you figure out that it's a lot of what teachers are doing already mm -hmm. but some see it I think it's it's challenging to the point that it, it almost to some becomes overwhelming a little too much to handle or at least the thought of it or what they perceive it to be so you know, if you've got somebody listening or that's in that part of the journey where they're trying to get started, you know, what would your response be to them to encourage them as, as far as how to maybe flip that? Are you talking about someone who's already in a cohort or somebody that maybe has Maybe anybody, because I, I've seen a lot of teachers that are not in cohorts, but mm -hmm. they're still trying it. Right. And some of that's the advantage of seeing two cohorts come through. Mm -hmm. Some of it, they are naturally... Uh, predisposed to try those things anyway but uh, you know I think as teachers get close to to knowing that they may be in, in cohort C or when it's completely uh, pushed out through the district you know I think they're thinking ahead but even mm -hmm. though they may not be in a cohort they're apprehensive right so what what would you say if you had to just start small what would you say to them to help alleviate some of that 
stress that maybe they're feeling? I think you just gave the answer. Um, starting small, I think, is, is huge because blended learning is, it can be very overwhelming. Even when I think about it, it's overwhelming. Um, when we first started, it was like, how is this going to happen for the whole district in three, four, five years, even 10 years? How does that happen? I think to start small and to, um, to think, instead of thinking about all the things that you can't do or that aren't possible um, and all the limitations that uh, you might face to think about what what is it that you can do and so if you're not in a cohort yet um, maybe it's visiting the blended learning discovery website or maybe it's uh, if you've got time going on your conference period to visit another class to see exactly. how blended learning is happening in a classroom talking to a colleague that's in a cohort um, talking to an instructional technologist and ta instructional technology specialist um, just to bounce ideas, um, just experiment and try. Um, maybe you want to just try to work with an instructional coach or an ITS on um, a playlist, or maybe you want to just start out with stations. Um, so just taking it one step at a time and not expecting, um, we're not expecting anybody to be, a, a, everyone's a professional, but we're not expecting anybody to be an expert at blended learning no, going in. That's the... And, yeah, I think that's the thing is, is what I'm hearing from you is, is start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you may change your mind where you want to do right. right after, but what you can't do, you can't run before you put one step right. in, foot in front of the other. And uh, you kind of answered my next question, which was some of the resources such a person would use. And so you did a, a great job of listing uh, all the resources. And one thing it that Temple does have is a, a host of different types right. of resources, mm -hmm. digital, paper, interpersonal, mm -hmm. um, and so that's great. But Yeah, I think um, there's lots of websites online at this point. There are lots of different organizations or companies that specialize in blended learning and have resources online, but I truly think um, we're a resource-rich district and, and part of the wealth of our resources is, is the people that are in the district. And so instructional coaches, instructional technology specialists, even your colleagues are going to be um, just that best resource for support, for questions. Sometimes part of the feeling of being overwhelmed is because you are trying to take on too much by yourself. And when you're alone trying to work on blended learning, it's very difficult. But if you've got a partner to go alongside you or to bounce ideas off of. Um, we've seen that blended learning is most successful when you've got a whole team and it's not one person on the team that's doing the blended while everybody else is still doing the traditional model. So I think um, try, not trying to tackle it on your own is probably the other aspect of not being overwhelmed with it. Well, I'd be the first to say that was some that would have been something that I would have had to get past. Mm -hmm. How many times have you not asked? And you know, guys get we get harassed for not asking right. for directions. For, but but when you finally do reach out and ask somebody, sometimes out of desperation, because mm -hmm. and then the answer is quick. It's yeah. easy, and you wonder to yourself why why didn't I ask sooner? Right. And and so I'm hoping that going back to your your point about collaboration and 
and discussion across grade levels and campuses that we're building that network where people are are less afraid right. to ask a question that might be deemed, mm-hmm. well, that's not a good question, or I shouldn't know that. Right. And uh, and so, you know, out of the things we've talked about, is there any one thing you think that makes a campus uh, or a teacher uh, successful with blended learning? If you had to pick one thing, what would that be? I think when when everybody is um, all in, as you can say, and from the teacher to the instructional coach, the ITS, the principal, the assistant principals, everybody has a, a basic understanding of the blended learning. Everybody has a vision of like this is where we're trying to go, and everybody's working together um, to support each other in the blended learning effort. I think that's where we see the greatest success. Um, well, you've, you've hit every question, the nail on the head. And uh, there's definitely, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, it's I'm glad you didn't get that Spanish job because <laughs> it sure seems you're, you're in the right spot and um, are a good person to be leading, uh, be one of the leaders um, in this effort. So I appreciate you well, taking the you. time. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. So what our, what our listeners are going to find out is that uh, we're going to end every podcast with a lightning round of questions. Okay. Now, these are non-blended learning questions. Okay. Uh, because it, I think part of it is getting to know the person I'm mm-hmm. talking to. So, we some of them are going to be similar across uh, podcasts. Some of them will, will be different. So... If you feel you need to pass and come back to it, okay. although it may be frowned upon, I'm not going to say <laughs> no. So, okay. uh, are you ready for the lightning round? I will do my best. And these are pretty much yes, no, you, you know, they're not, shouldn't be. Now, you know, if you take a minute, that's fine. I just don't want you to think I'm trying to, you had to study for it. So, okay. I right. have no idea what to expect here. That's the point. <laughs> that is the point. Okay. First question. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. Last Halloween costume. Oh, goodness. Tweety Bird. Can I get a date on that? Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm, no, Never I don't mind. want to date uh, myself in that way. Cake or pie?